Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Today's episode is part two of my Insta Live with Laura Banky. We shared part one in last week's podcast episode, and part two is here for you. Laura and I break down three of the biggest lies that singles hear all the time. We certainly heard them when we were single, and we got really tired of hearing them. We share how we overcame them and pushed back against them. Then we answered questions that came in during the live, like, what do we miss about being single? And how do I know if something is a red flag that should be a deal breaker, or if that's just part of being in a relationship where there are the normal ups and downs? One viewer wanted to hear from Laura about how she handled the fact that at 35, she had yet to be in a legit relationship. Did she tell guys that she started seeing that right off the bat, or did she hold that back? Another question was about how to fall into feminine energy. Someone else wanted to know how you can date when you are so scared of being hurt again and again and again. Another viewer wonders if she's too perfectionistic. Does she hold herself and her boyfriends to too high a standard? And finally, a viewer asks, how do I figure out who I am after being a caretaker for my mother for so many years? Now that my mom's gone, I don't really know my role or what to do with myself. Laura and I answer these questions and also talk about the three biggest lies that single women hear all the time after this. One of the things that makes me so frustrated in this space um, that I guess that we kind of find ourselves in, even though I feel like you and I are, we're, we're talking at this from a different angle, but the thing I hate about this space, about resources for single women, is that it is always an effort to fix the being single. And, you know, I've, I've been reading a lot of books for, for research sake, for just curiosity sake to kind of see what other people are out there saying. And these ideas that, okay, well, if you really want to find the love of your life, then there's a whole lot of stuff you need to do to get to the point where you are, where you are putting the love out there or that you're finally open to receive the love that there. I'm like, this is bullshit. Are you trying to tell me that every single person in a relationship is sitting there like levitating off the ground on their meditation pillow in this perfect state of Zen and self-appreciation and understanding? No, they're not. They're absolutely not. There's nothing that you have to do to Fix yourself or your mindset to attract someone else. When I talk about shifting expectations or shifting perspectives, it's about how you view your life. It's about embracing that and finding different ways to think about who you are and what you want. It's not go through these exercises, talk, talk to the universe about what you need, and then you'll get to a point where you'll be able to actually call in the, the, the type of love that you need. I hate that message. I really hate it because I just, I just don't think it's fair. It's, it, and it's also, it's capitalizing on the fear yeah. of being single. Right. It's and capitalizing it on it. It sells. I mean, I, mm-hmm. it, oh, it totally does. 
itself because someone is very, feeling very deeply lonely. Yep. They are falling prey to all the things we've been talking about. Um, maybe they are starting to doubt their worth. Maybe they're thinking, I am doing it wrong. What is, what's fundamentally flawed about me? Let me go buy a book and fix it, right? Yep. It's a normal, smart, that's actually the first chapter of my book. I dismantle that because mm -hmm. I used to hear that single women, they've got these insecurities and they're frustrated and, and it's really their low self-esteem that they need to yep. fix. And I was like, no, single women are frustrated because they want to control things. So if anything, we're control freaks, which I will actually own, because most of us are, right? Getting to your point, like your rigid thinking, it had to be this way, right? Yeah. And that, I think so many of us have experienced that. So we want to control love the way we controlled our education. Yeah. Okay, I want to do this career, so I'm going to get the degree, check. Then I want to go, and I'm going to entry level, and I'll keep hustling, and I'll work my way up the ladder, check. We've controlled all these different domains of life, and then yep. we think we can do the same with love. And when we can't, we get confused. We're like, wait a minute. When I had a problem in this realm, I just figured it out, fix it. When I have a problem in love, I want to figure it out and fix it. And it just doesn't work that way. And so it's yeah. really coming from our very wise and efficient cognitive models that we have for the world. We're like, you find the problem, you fix it. And in this yes. case, we think we can do the same with ourselves. And it just, love doesn't play out that way. No, it doesn't. And, you know, I'm all about self-improvement and, and, doing the work on yourself to to find out how you can be happy what i hate is when the idea of doing the work on yourself is tied to right. so then you can find right. a husband right uh no no i mean me guess what because you are feeling better about who you are and because you have been able to to do this work and change your perspective and shift that it might happen because you will be in a different mindset and who knows, but the whole point of wanting to improve yourself should not be right. so that you'll find a man or that, that that's the prize right. at the end of it. Exactly. The prize at the end of it is you have a kick-ass life that you can appreciate and live and enjoy. That is what matters, but that's a whole lot harder to sell. It, it is, is. It is so much harder to tell women, "Hey, come over here and talk to me, and we're gonna we're gonna get to know and love our lives as it is right now," which is basically my message. Versus, "Hey, come on over here. I'm gonna tell you how to find a husband in six weeks." Okay, I I can't compete with that because I don't want to. That's not what I'm what I'm selling here. But it it's preying off of the fears that women have of being single and and exactly what you said. This idea that everything else in my life there's a how to guide to do it. So why shouldn't there be one for my love life? Right. That's exactly it. And I resist it too. And I get frustrated when I see again, like, oh, I've got the five step plan to meet the one. I mean, yep. it's just that's complete and utter BS. And we know it. And yet we know that it sells because other people, when they're in that moment, and I know people try to prey upon me. I don't know how I came across this person, but somehow, you know, some lonely night, I'm Googling this and that. And came across someone and she claimed buy her $2,000 program online course. And I was going to meet Mr. Right. And then so she booked a sales call and I got on the phone with her. I knew I was going to do it, but then she was really slick and she kept, you know, yeah. basically praying to my fears. Well, what if in a year from now you're still single because you didn't do my program? Like that kind of crap. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You were talking about that. You went to an event, right? <laughs> oh yeah. I was a matchmaker who, yeah, no, but it's, it's terrible. These people are manipulating you and your fears and, and what what you want out of life and what you are so frightened of not getting. And so that's why, like, I, I, when I found you, Karen, I was like doing these like 
happy dance because I was so, it was so refreshing to see a message that's so similar that is about you and you being okay and you being single not being the problem and how you know how can we work to support each other and to you know another another thing is when you are in this place that you're feeling so afraid and so alone you feel like you're the only one because we don't talk about it in this way we only talk about it as so guys i used to feel like that but now i am married and i fixed it and so here's what you should do to fix it too instead of just talking about how it feels um like when i was single i was so embarrassed i was so embarrassed that i was 35 and a half had never had a boyfriend i didn't want to tell anyone that i i like kept it was one of my biggest things i was like please don't have anyone find out please don't have anyone find out no one will understand and they're going to judge me for it right they're going to think well what's wrong with her if she's never had a boyfriend like wow she must be crazy i lived in fear of that instead of you know so i never talked about it so nobody there was no one who could support me because i kept that i guarded that and right. i you know both of us are just trying to create this community are creating this community where women can come and just freaking be yourself <laughs> you know who can, yeah. who can just appreciate the life you have we don't need to fix it if you have just a few seconds to help me out i would so appreciate it you can do so by heading over to apple podcasts giving us a five-star rating and a few sentences of review that helps others find the program and join the love and life family. So Laurel says, thinking back to your story too, Laura, how many men have strolled into that resort on their own and no eyebrows were raised, no questions were asked? Yep. Oh, he is likely on a business trip mentality. Yep. yep. Um, he, men need to be swinging bachelors. We're old maids. Oh yeah. oh yeah, there you go. And as yeah, our language clearly, clearly explicates the societal notion of single women versus single men yeah they're mm -hmm. swinging single bachelors and we are dried up old maids yes so we do a whole live just on that <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> um anita says liking myself more is my goal and if someone else that i like as much does too great if not i still work on liking myself more and more i love that because guess what who am i running around this life with from the moment i was born to the moment i die me <laughs> so i mean it's <laughs> all we got really <laughs> Um, Anita says, what do you miss about being single? That's a good question. Yeah. Do you have anything that jumps to mind right away? I think I miss, um, being really available for my girl time. Like, yeah. Respect for the fact that we share a home and we share social activities. I need to say, Hey, do we have anything going on Friday? Yeah. You have to do that. And I miss that being able to be like, I'm there. <laughs> I don't need yeah. to ask anybody. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's so true. That's so true. I think that I I can definitely relate to that. Um, it it I spent a lot more time with girlfriends before, you know, especially. I mean, it's we're looking at everything now in the past year in the in the lens of a of a pandemic, so everything is just weird and different anyway. But I think for me, one of the things that I miss is. And I could change this. I could definitely do this and give myself more time. But I I do miss days where I just like a day I was off from work and I just woke up in the morning and I could just do whatever I wanted. I didn't have to, and not that I have to explain myself to my husband, but there was just, it's just a different idea. You know what? If I want to just lay in bed all day, or if I'm going to get it, I want to read. I have, I have a stack of books. I used to read so much. I do not read as much anymore. And all of that I can change. Like I could, I could do that. I can give myself my alone time. Um, 
but I don't in the way that I used to and when I was single. And so I do, I kind of, there are, there are moments when I miss, when I miss that of, um, you know, every weekend day, we wake up and we're like, well, what should we do today? And I do kind of miss like just rolling out of bed and being like, whatever yeah. I want, right, right, <laughs> you know, right. and I still get, I mean, I can do whatever I want, but it, but it's different. It's, it's different. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's that level of, of not having to, to worry about anybody else's needs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can just mm -hmm. worry about my own and not having to also like explain, I need this. And I, and I always feel like I need to explain why I need this instead of like, huh, I just got to do whatever I wanted. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now you have to explain yourself or your decisions. There's a couple of questions that came in. So I want to get to those. Um, what is the difference between red flags and downs in a relationship? For me, it goes back to those values. I mean, we're all human and we're in human relationships with other humans. So we're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have good days and bad days. And you need to allow, obviously we need to allow each other to be human and we forgive and we we allow space for someone to say something and be like, I'm sorry, I, I, I said that in anger. Of course, all of that. But it comes down to fundamental values. Like, for example, I don't, I don't, I do not do well. I, I grew up, like my parents were together until my father passed away and they didn't have the perfect marriage, but there was not a lot of volatility. There wasn't screaming. There wasn't, like they yeah. dealt with the disagreements. I didn't have to see that. I didn't see a lot of fighting and yeah. stuff. So I don't, I had a boyfriend who had anger management and I remember one time he was at my apartment, he got mad about something and he slammed the kitchen um, cabinet and I was renting and it broke. That was like, I knew that was it. For me, that was a red flag that became immediately a deal breaker. Cause I was like, I do not choose to live my life with a lot of volatility and anger. Yeah. And I didn't want that. I didn't like the feeling of it. Yeah. And that was it. That wasn't a down day. Like that yeah. was a yeah. chronic anger management problems that I chose not to have in my life. Yeah. So that would be an example for me. Yeah. No, I think that's, I, yeah, I think that's really good. It's, I was, again, I was just talking with a friend about this recently too, as uh, you know, we, you look at other people's relationships and uh, we want to be able to help each other. But the thing is you can never know unless you are in it. You can never know for you. Like, I can't tell you, ooh, that's a red flag. Or, you know what, that's just a down moment. Okay, I will caveat that. If he is physically hurting you or mentally and emotionally abusing you, that's not okay. That's absolutely not okay. But if we are talking about, you know, personality traits or things that people are want or need in a relationship all of that is unique to you um so the only advice that i can think to even give on that is you have to know what you are willing to live with for the rest of your life yeah because you cannot change someone you know someone can change and you can be there for it and help them but you cannot change someone you cannot go into a relationship believing that right. you are going to change them so in your example with anger management issues you weren't going to change him maybe one day he was going to figure he was going to get some some help and some therapy and really deal with his yeah. anger management, but you couldn't do that for him. So for you, you had to decide, am I willing to put up with this anger for the rest of my life? And if the answer is no, well, that's a, that's a red flag. That could be a deal breaker. Um, but if it's something like, oh, he doesn't put his socks in the hamper. He puts them next to it. He puts all his dirty clothes next to it, but he doesn't put it in the hamper. Can I live with that for the rest of my life? Can I, can I, can, you know, I can say occasionally, hey, 
could you put it in the hamper? It's just right there. Um, am I willing? Are there enough things that I love about him and great things about him that I, you know, okay, yep. Yeah. So I'm putting some, I'm putting some extra clothes in the hamper every day in addition to my own. I can deal with that for the rest of my life. But maybe you can't. I mean, you, know, you have to decide what it is that you are willing to put up with. And also know, I'm not going to be able to change him on my own. He has to, he has to want to be able to change and he has to go through that process. Um, it's the one thing my dad, the only piece of relationship advice that my dad ever gave me, he always kind of stayed out of that realm, but I can, from a very early age on, I just remember my dad telling me, you can never change someone. Just wow. remember that. Do not try. You can't change them. Yeah. And I do see too many women in my community, Laura, I don't know about yours, but I do see too many who are dating and they're like, Oh, well, maybe we can get some couples counseling. No, yeah. no, it, yep. no. Why? What? The dating should be his A game. He should be exactly like, out his A game and you should be so into it. If exactly. you're not, that is you dating is to gather information to see if you may move to next steps. And I gathered enough information that that was not for me. If you're looking for some in-depth support, head over to my website, loveandlifemedia.com and click on the work with me tab to schedule a consultation. Consultations will help you clarify underlying emotional and psychological concerns. We'll target limiting beliefs and thought patterns. We'll learn empowering techniques from cognitive therapy to sustainably elevate your mindset and mood. We'll identify relationship dynamics which are impeding your goals and we'll together generate a concrete plan for moving forward to help you thrive in love and life. Schedule your consultation today at loveandlifemedia.com. I'd love to work with you. Let me yeah. take another question because another one came in. Laura, how did you tell your husband about your limited relationship history? That's an interesting question. That's a very good question. Um, so I had been in a, not, it wasn't a really a relationship. I had been seeing someone about eight-ish months prior to meeting my husband. And it was, it, we met in the city. He was long distance though. So it was, it was one of those weird things. Like he was never my boyfriend, um, but I did go visit him once. So we saw each other in person, like, you know, three-ish times. Yeah. Um, and there were lots of red flags about this dude. But... I told him immediately. And it used to be one of the things that I did, uh, I was more apt to do, I would tell the person immediately. And in this case of this guy I met before my husband, he manipulated it so much. And I, ha I did not realize it until it was over. He looked at it as, well, challenge accepted. She's never had a boyfriend. She's never been in love. Um, I'm gonna make sure I'm the first one why he wanted to do this, I don't know. And so I got so burned in that experience because he, it was like all he cared about was yeah. getting to that point. And yet he never did. Like we didn't, maybe he thought that I was calling him my boyfriend to people, but that was his true goal. It was not me. It was being the first and like staking his flag into something. And, um, so when I met my husband, I was like, I'm not talking about this. I am absolutely not yeah. because I am not going to make myself vulnerable enough for somebody yeah. to 
abuse it the way this guy did. Uh, and so I just made it very clear to my husband right away when we first started seeing it. I was like, I don't want to talk about your past relationships. I don't want to talk about mine. It's not important. It doesn't define me. We're here right now. And we, we did that for, a, you know, for a long time. I, I didn't let him in on my relationship experience for a while. Um, we, we started seeing each other and it got pretty serious pretty quickly. So when I say a while, you know, maybe a month or two ish, mm -hmm. but that is by no means like my advice to all people that that is just because of what I experienced and what yeah. I went through. And yeah. because I had finally then found someone who is my husband, who is who he is and who, who loves me in the way he does. Um, he would never dream of either manipulating that or of holding it against me in any way. Um, because he loved me and everything that came along with me. I had met guys before that who were not right, who exploited it. Um, so you can like do what you're comfortable with. If you are comfortable telling someone right away, if you want to keep it to yourself for a while, the right guy is not going to care. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Past relationships do not define who you yeah. are and do not define future relationships. I mean, anybody who's been in a ton of relationships and now is dating, wait, so they failed at all of their relationships. That's supposed yeah. to make them better than me? <laughs> right, right. No. No, like I was telling you, this woman that I was uh, had a consultation with and she was saying that same thing and so I was like, you know what? Let me ask my husband. What I said, what would you think if you were dating this woman and she'd had very limited relationship in history? He's like, I would be like, good. It's less package than the deal with. True. I, it's true. That's how he saw it. He's like, I think most guys would be like, good. I just don't, I don't want to deal with all these other guys who played head games with her, right? Yeah. But they're still in her head. So here's another question. Falling into my feminine energy has been challenging. Any suggestions? So for me, I wanted someone very masculine because I wanted to be able to feel like I could lay into that. Yeah. Because like we were saying before, Laura, I was so independent because I had to be paying all my own bills and all the things. Yep. So I wanted someone very masculine and I knew when I would, was with someone who was very masculine that I could trust. So a gentle man, right? The true term mm -hmm. gentleman, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a gentle man, completely masculine, but also gentle and tender with his woman. Yeah, that allowed me to free up my femininity in ways that maybe when I was single and I had to be like, I got to do for me that maybe there was a little bit more masculine energy that, that I had to embody. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's I think that's good. And I, I, I do know that that is, you know, thinking about conversations I've had with friends and just things that I have, uh, you know, experiences that I have had and then people around me, when you do have to be on your own for so long. And when you are doing all of that, you end up, you know, you have to have both all sorts of energies. Um, you know, and there's so many, there are so many questions now about, about masculine, feminine and, and where all that is. And is there really a hard set line through it? And I think the answer we're finding out is it's all very, it can be very, very fluid for a lot of people. And I, I think that you can fully identify as a woman, as a she, her, and still have a fluid energy about you. You know, there, there, you don't have to have one or the other. And, and if, if feeling, if falling into feminine energy is hard for you, that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you or that you need to figure out a way to tap into it, unless there's a specific reason why you want to. Um, if you're worried about needing to tap into feminine energy for 
masculine energy to be attracted to you, then that's not the right masculine energy for you. I mean, you are you, whatever energy it is that you have, that's, that's all you need. That's all you need. Yeah, definitely a case. I would agree, Laura, where it's a case of what fits for you. Yeah. And I did want, I did. My parents had this very traditional marriage mm-hmm. and I wanted yep. that. Like, my mom never pumped gas ever. <laughs> she did it. No. And my dad never did laundry. Like, yeah. That, yeah. And, and, I, and of course, when I was like a teenager, I was like, mom, you and your oppressive, stereotypical gender roles, you know, I, but then I'm like, what do I care? It works for them and they're happy. Yeah. Right. So, yep. and that I wanted that. And so, but I agree with you. Like, if you're with someone who is threatened by your independence, which they interpret as masculine energy, then that's yeah. not your guy. Yeah. Like, it's just not. And, and there's all different configurations of energies that work for different people. So I, you know, if you like it, I love it. But I would also say if you're finding that you're having a hard time falling into your feminine energy, I'm wondering if you haven't felt safe enough to do so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage you not to do that until you have a reason to feel safe. Because I think yeah. sometimes like a protective element of you that's a part of you that's protecting yourself totally agree with that see all right laurel says was moving in with a partner a big lifestyle change or even a fear for you laura that's a great question laurel it was something i worried about before meeting him um you know before being in a relationship having been by myself for as long as i had been um especially there was this thing about getting to new york city and the fact that i could live in new york city by myself in my own apartment that i was paying for that that really gave me that that let boosted up my independence um and and my feelings about that even more and i did i worried about that i wondered maybe I'm not going to be cut out for this or is this going to totally ruin who I am and what, and what my personality is. Um, and then I met my husband and moving in with him was the most, one of the most natural things that I have ever done. It was, there was never a doubt in my mind that we should do it. Uh, we met in May and we moved in together essentially in November. Um, we are a lease on our apartment that we moved into together began December 1st, but his lease, my lease ended in December. His lease ended on October 31st. So we had this like November weirdness where I still had my apartment. So he moved into my apartment with me for a month and then we moved into our apartment. So essentially we moved in together in November. Um, but we had already been spending so much time with each other up to that point and it was like I said it was it was the most natural thing I ever did uh I never doubted it I never feared it once Mm -hmm. I knew him Mm -hmm. so for you know and that's not to say that's the only way it should go and if you don't feel like completely set and everything then it's wrong at all that was just my own experience when it was the right person um it was the easiest thing it's the easiest thing I've done is move in with him. And I never, ever thought I would say something like that. Ever. It's crazy. I just want to underscore that I have a podcast episode I did a couple of years ago, and it's called Relationships Shouldn't Be All That Hard. And like mm-hmm. we talked about a little bit earlier in the program or the, <laughs> in the live. And, <laughs> and, and there's a lot of rhetoric out there about how relationships are hard work and it's the ball and chain. But yeah. I'm here to tell you, 
And I believe that firmly the women in my community, this is what they're looking for. They're looking for that. They're not looking for something mediocre that's a ton of work. I'm not saying that you don't work. Of course, you, you tend to. You cultivate. You cherish. And because you cherish something, you give it energy and you mm-hmm. give it that what it's due to maintain it and make it wonderful. But uh, it's not hard to be in a relationship that is the right one. Right one. To do. So if it feels too hard... It's probably not right. I'm throwing that out there. Let's connect on social. I'm most active on Instagram, where I post original quotes, infographics, and I tackle trending topics in my love smarter, not harder IGTVs. On Insta, you can find me at Dr. Karen, D-R dot K-A-R-I-N. I'm also on Facebook at Dr. Karen Anderson Averill and on Twitter at Dr. Karen Anderson. Another question that came in. How can you show more trust and vulnerability in a relationship? I'm afraid to get hurt again. Hmm. I get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That, that, that's a, I think that's a big one. And I think that's, you know, hey, if for for people who've not been in a relationship, that's one thing to be like, oh, cool. I know that this person has not been hurt like that and won't have those right. those types of issues. But I think the thing is, you you have those types of feelings no matter what your experience is. Um, there is always a fear of being vulnerable, but especially if you have been hurt and if something if somebody has has let you down or or whatever it was, um, to be able to open yourself up again can be really really hard. Uh, But I think it goes back to kind of the theme of what we've been talking about here. When it is the right person, uh, those, those walls will come down. You will want them to come down. You will feel like you want to share what has happened to you and, and, and share yourself and move forward. Um, That's not to say any of this is easy, but I think when it's the right type when it's the right relationship and the right person who's sitting on the other side that you feel you can let down those walls um you know and also therapy and things like that help as well if it's really something that you're struggling with and, and really something that you don't know how you can can get past and be more vulnerable i mean that's that's some serious stuff so you know therapy can certainly help with all of that but i think there's a huge element to that when it is the right person for you, uh, it's much easier to be able to do that. Yeah, I think the walls are oftentimes there protecting us again. And I definitely felt that when I met my husband, I was like, I was 40 years old. I've been, you know, engaged before, called mm-hmm. off a wedding. I've, been, I've had so many breakups and heartbreak. And I was, yeah, we had this really great first date. But I had a lot of really good first dates, you know, so I was definitely more jaded than I realized and probably more guarded than I realized. I wouldn't have called myself bitter or that I was leading with that energy, but I was very protective. And as he wanted to get closer to me, I did feel like, oh, gosh, guess what? Every time I've gotten close to a man in the past, it's ended in heartbreak. And I'm 40 years old now and I started dating at 15. That's a lot of years of getting close to someone and having it go south. So I had to say to myself, though, what's the alternative? keep the wall up for forever and then never fall in love? Or do I take the risk yet again? But yeah, at 40, I had to go, he's got to be worth taking the risk again. And mm-hmm. and he was obviously, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's not, it's not something that's easy. And it's something that I think we have, there's a tension there between 
honoring what that wall is trying to do, which is protect us. And then also knowing I have to let this down a bit eventually, not in the first couple months even, but eventually mm -hmm. if I want to find that true love that I'm looking for. Yeah. Here is another question. I'm a perfectionist and I hold myself and my boyfriends to too high of standards. Do I have any tips to relax standards while still, let's see, while still being discerning? That's a good question. <sighs> well, perfectionism is, uh, there are so many different quotes that it's like perfectionism is the enemy of progress or, you know, th things like that. I mean, perfectionism is, uh, it's a difficult place to be in and it really does hinder your growth. And uh, Brene Brown talks about perfectionism all the time. I encourage you to listen to her perfectionist perfectionism talks because perfectionism is not necessarily a good thing um, because nothing is perfect you are not perfect your relationship no matter how fulfilling and loving and wonderful it is is not perfect it's never going to be perfect it perfect does not exist uh, so I I keep going back to what I've been saying earlier that when you know how you want to feel in a relationship, when you know what truly matters to you and who you get to be in a relationship, um, all those little things don't become as important. Did you, did he plan the perfect first date for you? Did he plan the perfect anniversary dinner for you? Was it everything you dreamt of? Um, maybe not, maybe he forgot, uh, who knows, but are you getting enough from the relationship in other ways that makes you feel the way you want a relationship to feel. Uh, and I, I think for me, that helps me kind of set aside that, that list of, of perfection or that list of things that you have to have. I would say I, I completely agree. And I would just say, yeah, I would say, get that list, maybe even put it, in, mm -hmm. write it down black and white. Look at the list of values that you want. Like, is it really that too picky yeah. that you have a high standard for how you treat each other? I got married and I still, I believe in dating my spouse. Mm -hmm. So I have a high standard. Actually, there's research that shows that when we have high standards from dating, we carry those high standards into our marriage and we have high quality marriages. I'm not trying to be sloppy in my marriage just because we've been married eight years. When I was dating him, I wanted him to be, when he was traveling, I wanted him to come home and be like, that's my girl right there. And I didn't see anyone else's even, you know, because I wanted yep. to be the woman he fell in love with. I wanted yeah. to stay in that. That's how I honor our marriage. And he does the same for me. I'm wondering if she's really too picky and too critical or if she's just got high standards. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> you might get some resistance from some guys who don't want to deal with your standards, but then that's not the guy. For but you. then they're not the right guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So final question. My mom passed away a year ago in 2020. I spent many years caring for her. Now I feel lost. I'm so used to taking care of her that now I have... I'm guessing it cut her off, but I'm guessing she's like she's got time on her hands now that she's not used to, and she's got a caretaking or caregiving rather uh, mm -hmm. kind of energy. And I'm wondering what to do with that. What do you think, Laura? Uh, well, first of all, my heart goes out to you. Um, I know how how difficult that is, Karen. You know how difficult that is. Uh, being a caretaker uh, is not talked about enough of how difficult that is. It's always, and rightfully so, the person who is sick is, is the person who we, you know, we talk about and that makes sense. But being a caretaker is, um, it takes everything of you. Uh, my dad passed away 
in December of 2019. So I, and I was a caretaker at the end. Um, and moving on from that is very hard. And if you did this for years, um, I have a level of respect for you that I, this is huge. Um, you know, I did it for a few months and really for a, the, the month at the end of his life. And that was enough to know how freaking hard it is. So, man, moving on from that is, first of all, okay, moving on. I'm sorry that I said that. Moving on. I don't, I don't believe we need to be moving on from something like that. We, we're growing after it happened because that's, you don't need to move on from your mom and you don't need to move on from the experience you had taking care of her. Those are important experiences and those matter a lot. Um, and she's always, you know, there's a part of her that's always with you in whatever way that means to you. You know, at this, my dad, the one thing my dad said to us the entire time when he was dying was life is meant for the living. And he did not, it, one of the, his biggest fears was that he would die and he would leave all of us lost or so worried or thinking, oh, I can't go find happiness because dad's not here. Dad can't enjoy this. So I can't enjoy it either. You know, his biggest thing to all of us was when I'm gone, I'm gone. And so, you know, yeah, you loved me and it was great, but you have to be able to, to make yourself happy and to, to do what you need to do. Um, and that's, that was the big question that I think we all had to, had to ask ourselves and still ask ourselves, what, what do I need to be happy right now? What do I need um, to be able to focus on myself now. I don't have to put all of that focus onto this really difficult and, and tragic experience. I get to focus on, on something different while still carrying it with me. Um, what is it that I want to do? Well, how do I make myself happy? And to, to know it's okay to do that. It's okay to be happy. It's not, it's more than okay. It's necessary mm -hmm. to find ways to be happy. Um, I don't, know if that's the best answer because I really don't have how to guide for doing it. There is no right answer. You have to do what's best for you, but you, you get to start taking care of you now um, without having to take care of someone else as well. Yeah. Yeah. She says, yes, I did it for seven years. She was a caretaker. And now I feel like what now? Lot. And then someone else mentioned you carry on his legacy by living your life. And I will, yeah, I'll echo what Laura said because I, my father passed away in 2016. And there is that part where you, you, you do, there's a part of you that's like, well, how do I go on? And even he was my biggest cheerleader, right? Like yeah. if I accomplished something, where's my dad to be like, doll babe, way to go. You know, it's, yeah. just, it's so heartbreaking. But I also, in that moment, I want to just underscore what Welder says here when I would have those moments of like, I don't even like, I, how do you go on? Like, how do you go on as a daughter who just so deeply loved her father? And I know you were a daddy's girl as well, Laura. I, I would remember exactly what Welder is saying. I would say my dad and like your dad said, my dad would want me to stand up right now, shoulders back, chin out and live out his legacy. And I had to do that curling up, in the fetal mm -hmm. position, which is what I want to do sometimes and crawl into my closet and, and, and just recoil from life would not have been honoring all that he instilled into me. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. how, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. My so heart goes out to you, Rosalie. It really does. Yeah. So Rosalie, we just, we're so with you. Um, we honor what you did for your mother and we hope that you can honor her by 
living out her values and her dreams and her hopes for your life. Because I know she would want you to embrace life. And as Laura's dad said, life is for the living. So, um, and just thank you for, thank you so much for sharing your heart with us. Because that was obviously yeah. something that struck a chord with both of us yeah. as well. So. <laughs> You guys, thank you so much for joining us. Laura, as always, it is always such a highlight of my day if I get to talk with you and to share our conversation with others. And you guys, thanks for the questions and for going back and forth in the comments. We know you were with us, and we so appreciate that. Laura's got her podcast coming out. She's also got a group. Is your group started yet, Laura? I can't remember. Yep, yep. Group coaching actually began a couple of weeks ago, so we have that closed right now. Uh, but I do have some resources. Uh, if you go over to my feed, there's um, I have a guide on taking back your life which is about taking back that power over your life. Um, and, and like I said, it's totally free. And, and the podcast comes out in a, little, in a while. So follow me and I'm hoping in the next uh, three or four weeks that will be out. So yeah, lots of stuff on this end. Yeah, very exciting. Yeah, and I've got a group starting Monday and we meet eight o'clock Eastern every other Monday for eight weeks. And it's just kind of these conversations but with a more intimate setting and really the opportunity to share your heart with like-minded women who want to level up and be empowered. And as Laura said, for us, yes. not at all trying to get a man, but just to, to yes. really embrace our lives and level up in love and life. My book is Single is the New Black. Don't wear white till it's right. Thanks again, Laura. See you guys next time. Thank you. Bye, Bye. Karen. The love and life hack for this week is don't believe the lies. There are so many myths and so much single shaming out there, but we don't have to fall prey to it. We follow accounts like Laura's. We look to women who've been through the trenches and have persevered and have remained happy, hopeful, and positive. And we know that we can do the same. As always, I so appreciate you spending a portion of your day with me. And I'm also so grateful that you're part of the Love and Life family. If you haven't signed up for my newsletter yet, head on over to my website, loveandlifemedia.com. Be sure to click on the subscribe page. Also, I've got support groups that I'll be continuing to roll out. If that interests you or book a consultation with me, I am here for you. I want to support you in any way I can. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson April, and until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson April.